Okay. The top ten of the week. Brought to you by... <laughs> Re- the bottom ten of the week. <laughs> we could do that. Recording. Three, two... <laughs> I am Robert M. Price. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. And- Hi, I'm Karen Lumley Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Roy. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool. Hi, I'm Jerry DeWitt. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate. Hi, this is Dan Barker. Hi, I'm John McComb from The John McComb Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drance. Hi, I'm Richard Carrier. Hi, I'm Rhonda Tyson. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of The Thinking Atheist. Hey, guys, I'm Kara Santa Maria. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton. Hi, this is Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, and we took a left of the valley. We did take a left of the valley. And a wrong turn in Albuquerque. And then (laughs) the left of the valley goes right to a glory hole. It's like right to a glory hole. (laughs) I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an Ah, uh, still wearing a New Year's Eve party hat. This is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and my doctor said he needs to amputate all of me. I think you need a second opinion. Joining me as usual is a team whose New Year's resolution includes fit- fitting a new neck brace, but they won't look back on this. <laughs> so she forgot where the sun rises, then it dawned on her, Nancy. Did. <laughs> By the way, I just, I know we're starting a new year, um, but we have our, our same uh, in- intro, and I hope we keep that intro forever. I love hearing all of the guests that we've enjoyed all together. It's just wonderful. It's like they're all very, standing very well done, in a group waving, waving at that's just, that's, I love it. I, I call that the mega plug, and that's just one of three. Mega plug. I know. It's, yeah. just, it's just great. It starts us off on such a, such a great, jolly note. Mm-hmm. And his wife said vacation sex was the best, but not a great postcard to receive. Scott. <laughs> Ouch. I resemble that remark. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. A new year begins? Unbelievable. All right, like we 2018. Were just doing this a year ago. <laughs> you know, I, I still remember the time when I was calculating, you know, I'm going to be 26 by the time Y2K arrives. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And now it's like, my God, that's 18 years ago already. Where time flies. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Y2K, I'll be 30 years old. I was thinking, oh, man, where's the world going to be then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the older you get, the faster it spins. Yeah, the roll of toilet paper, exactly. Yeah. So we're going to have a nice, easy show today to begin the year nothing too big uh, not a big interview we'll be talking about uh, some of the origins of New Year's Eve and stuff like that mm-hmm. but first let's do a bit of chit chat uh, did you guys hear that North Korea reopened a hotline with South Korea this oh, is the first yeah. time in, in two years uh, they, they had shut down talks and uh, this is this kind of came after uh, little Kim there said that he'd be willing to send some delegations to the Olympics because the Winter Olympics are happening very soon in, in South Korea right yeah but he also said that he has a button, you know, in oh, case the United States decide to be. Button. Yeah, and of course, Trump couldn't oh. resist that. And he said, well, pissing contest. It's bigger and more powerful one, he said. His button. Oh. <laughs> Can Trump, couldn't Trump say something responsible like, I, I invite 
Mr. Uh, what's his last name? Un? Yeah. <laughs> I invite Mr. Un to please come come to the United States and have a discussion. We'll have coffee. We'll have yeah, right? yeah. No, he, he, he could have easily said, you know, I'm glad to see something positive and blah yeah. blah blah. But no, no, he had to just latch on to this. Stuff. This man runs the presidency like Saturday Night Live skits. Yeah. It's just yeah. one over the top. Um, one flew event over the cuckoo's nest after another, <laughs> and he does it with a straight face. But it's just you know you you have to wonder. As the new book, if we're going to talk about that in a minute, whether or not he actually well, let's, is... let's talk about it for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about it for a second, because that book released yesterday, and to great fanfare, and people are pulling off the shelves, and our friend Christina, who's not here today, actually got a copy. Oh, really? already? So that's going to be interesting. Oh, boy. Very. Uh, did, yeah, did they have them up here, or did she order it? I don't know. Up? I don't know. But the book uh, the depicts uh, Trump is essentially what everybody thinks of him. He's a big man-child with a temper. Um, although the, the White House came out and said it was nothing but lies and propaganda. Um, well, the, what else can they yeah, do? Yeah, they I certainly that, can't say, you betcha, we stand behind every word he says. There are some things about the book that I find uh, that the author mentioned I, th- I thought were questionable. Uh, I think there's, uh, like everything else in Trump's presidency, it's, there's going to be a mixture of truth and of lies with it. Uh, that book, too. Uh, for example, there was uh, the author claims at some point that... Uh, when Donald Trump was just elected, somebody suggested that he should choose John Boehner as a Secretary of State. And apparently, according to the author, uh, Trump said, who? Who's this? Who's this guy? And that doesn't make much sense to me because, if I recall correctly, he did play golf with John Boehner. He had a couple of meetings with him and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know how accurate that is. Well, I think the the, the, the problem with the um, looking at the book is... Number one, to give him credit, he says he's got tapes and he wrote the book the way any good Mm -hmm. journalist would. And we're prepared to believe all of these outrageous things because it's been his pattern, you know, since he was elected. On the other hand, you really don't know where he might have taken some liberties with all of this. So that is it a blend of fact and fiction or is it... All fact. For instance, this thing about John Boehner, there was some news that during um, his New Year's Eve party at Mar-a-Lago, he failed to recognize some old friends. And whether that is accurate or not accurate or whether he was busy and distracted, one never knows. But there's so much now coming out about, you know, his his um, personality and fitness Mm -hmm. that you really don't know. Do I believe all of it, some of it, very little of it? There's a lot of reports that seem to point out that you might have some memory issues. Yeah. Uh, he might, uh, short-term memory issues, too. Yeah. I mean, he might be like the version of Dory <laughs> from Fighting Nemo in the White but, House. But, you know, that sometimes is a... I mean, some people age and they don't have that problem, and some people, it's a warning sign, yeah. or yeah. they do lose their short-term memory as a, just a normal function of aging. And with this guy, boy, is it, it is, it's, he'd have to undergo a psychiatric exam for us to know exactly what's going on. Yeah, so that's that's going to be an, an yes. interesting book, an interesting read. I don't know if I want to read it and personally because, you know, I don't know how much more depressed I want to be about American politics. Well, most of it's already been, <laughs> been uh, you know, on all the news 
channels. So. Yeah, of course, uh, the, one of the sources of the author is apparently uh, Steve Bannon. Um, yeah. And I hate to say it, but Bannon is not a credible source to begin with on anything. No. But it, it, almost, it almost feels like it's... It, Two liars trying to outlie each other at this point, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's oh, it's like going back to kindergarten or high yeah, school. The only somewhere. good news that's come out of it is it seems as though the Mercers are finally pulling their financial support away from Bannon, so maybe he won't have as big, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a podium from now on. But he's a promoter, so you, you never yeah. know what's going to happen. I don't know. It's it's disturbing. I, whichever way. Anyway, moving politics. On. Disturbing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, did you guys hear about the uh, the mummified remains of a child that was uh, that died 450 years ago in uh, uh, during the Renaissance period in Italy, uh, in Naples actually? Uh, they did some DNA analysis on that uh, child, and uh, they found that the child died of hepatitis B. Now this is a uh, this is important because the virus appeared has been uh, unchanged since the 16th century. And it's estimated that one third of the world population is actually infected at some was or is in, uh, infected at some point. Uh, it usually affects the liver and leads to uh, cirrhosis of the liver or cancer. Ouch! Apparently, hepatitis B has been uh, starting to infect humans uh, about sixty thousand years ago. Hmm. And now, with the, this uh, the analysis they did on this uh, mummy of this uh, two year old uh, baby girl, um, because at first they thought they, she had smallpox. Because her uh, on her on her mummy, you can still see some 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 marks, right? Mm-hmm. And they thought it was smallpox, but it turns out she died of hepatitis B. But finding out more and more about, about the history and the genome of the virus gives us a chance to find a way to combat it. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So it was a, a really good find then. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you guys hear about the Tim Hortons in Coburg, Ontario? <laughs> You mean the Tim Hortons owned by the um, the founder's son? By the oh, son-in-law. The he's married. Yeah. He's married to the daughter of Tim the Hortons. Daughter, and well, they, it's they, the daughter of, of. I thought it was Joyce. No, it was the. the no, she's 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 the daughter she's of Tim. The Hortons. daughter of Tim Horton, and he's the he son, married to her, and he's the son of Tim Horton's partner. Yes, that's right. For those of us, for, for those of us, for those of you in the U.S., this is kind of like Dunkin' Donuts. It's as close as yeah, Tim Hortons. Exactly, it's the closest we can get in terms of definition. Well, well it turns out uh, Ontario uh, decided to raise the minimum wage, right? And it happened this week, and they went up uh, to fourteen dollars an hour. It's like a two dollar and twenty five cent raise, Some, it? something like that. Wow. Uh, so now the this uh, Tim Horton franchise has decided to force staff to sign a waiver to el- eliminate some of the breaks. And the pay benefits in response to the minimum wage hike. Not some, most of. Yeah. They have to pay 100% of their benefits now. (laughs) I I saw the letter online yesterday. It was very scary. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's a. Kind of a rogue response to raising the minimum wage to the government, and it's it's becoming a huge battle in in Ontario right now. That really seems just anti Tim Hortons in well, every respect, doesn't it? It's 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 pro business. It's pro business, though. That's these corporations. They got to survive, and and the people running these stores. Uh, I'm I'm almost positive if if it had come from another Tim Hortons first. Uh, apparently, there's a bunch of them doing it now. If it had come from another one first, it would have been news. But the fact that it comes from the founders, uh, well, one of, one of the founders' sons uh, and one of the founders' daughter, who are married, yeah, um, 
yeah, this is just like these people are not hurting for money. No, exactly, exactly, they're, right? You know, and their store. I'm almost positive in Ontario. If you find a Tim, well, it's like a Tim Hortons here. Go to a Tim Hortons on a Saturday morning and see how you get in. You can't get into a Tim Hortons because the lineup is around the block. Yeah, we should so, totally do a show about the, the minimum wage and bring somebody on to talk about that because there's this this idea of oh, you raise the minimum wage is just. Jobs are going to go somewhere else. That's bullshit. That's well, bullshit. No, jobs will go somewhere else because owners are uh, greedy. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's that's exactly what happens. So the owner's basically saying, I want to have my cake and eat it too. And if you take it away from me, if you interfere with it in any way, I'm taking my blocks and I'm going home. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to play in the sandbox. Yeah, it, it just seems to me doubly nasty because Tim Hortons is a place for the common guy. You mm-hmm. know, it's, the, it's people who... By and large, a lot of them work minimum jobs. A lot of them don't, but seniors. Everybody flocks into to Tim Hortons because it's reasonably priced and the service is good and the and the food is good. And the employees, by and large, at least in Abbotsford where we live, a lot of them this is their first job. Yes, and we, they go through a lot of training to to be there, but they don't make a lot of money. No, and, no. you know, and it, it once they're at Tim Hortons, it allows them to perhaps get a better job. So they're taking benefits away from people who are you know just starting out mm-hmm. and not giving them you know the opportunity yeah. to put money in their pocket so that they can they can progress so it just seems as though you know for the middle and, and maybe a little bit lower classes this is a real blow it is, and, oh, it is. And it's so it's, anti-tim it's, <laughs> just well, anti-tim. It's, it's just one of those things that you know the, these uh, these owners are making money and they have a piece of the pie and they're just saying no i don't want to reduce my piece of the pie so you can have a better life exactly. that's it that's, that's what they're saying that's exactly you know, what i want to i want to keep my piece of the pie the, the way it is and i don't care what happens to you this is what you're saying essentially yeah, yeah. I, I want my slaves to work for me for free yeah exactly yes. yeah. exactly I, I like the line from uh, comedian Chris Rock that basically says uh, uh, when so when you work at some place that says minimum wage what they're basically saying to you is I would pay you less if I could yes <laughs> yes that's exactly what they're <laughs> that's saying. exactly what they're saying yeah yeah. yeah, you know, and and to be fair, there's business owners out there who actually did the cost analysis. One restaurant owner did the cost analysis with his staff, and they realized they were going to have to raise prices on certain things. Now, restaurants don't have a high profit margin. No, it's a very low profit margin. So he realized that to keep his staff and pay them the new wage, what he had to do was, and they went through their menu completely through their menu and they the certain big ticket items that were selling well they started adding a little bit to them yeah so 60 cents here a dollar there on a you know you're talking about a 17 dollar meal well a dollar you're not even going to notice as the customer but that he said no problem making it i don't have to change anything in my store yeah just a, a little bit on the prices will cover all of these wage increases no big deal exactly right and if you want to take a good example, look, look, uh, Australia is a very good example of that. They have uh, very strong uh, minimum wage laws in uh, in Australia, and uh, the, these people are making it. You know, I mean, uh, the the price of a Big Mac in Canada as compared to Australia is like the difference. I think is like between a nickel and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it really that big of a deal? You know, to add an extra quarter to your Big Mac? No, it's not. 
No, and some people will say, well, yeah, but in Australia, everything's expensive food-wise in Australia. Maybe so, but these people are making a living. You That's know? right. They're actually That's living. Right. So this is their job. Would you, would you rather have a cheap Big Mac and have a, a, the guy that can't make a living and he's got to have food stamps? That's way more costly in that sense for society like as a whole. Walmart in the States. Exactly. They pay, their, they pay their people and they actually arrange to have food stamps brought in because... They don't pay them enough. Yeah. So um, the, the welfare state happens on the corporate level, not so much on the population. Yeah. In, in Texas, years and years ago, this is not exactly apropos, but it's, it's sort of what we're, what we're talking about in a way. In Texas, years ago, when they uh, wanted to raise the minimum wage, and at that point, I think the minimum wage was like $2.25. Wow. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was down there. And they wanted to raise the, the minimum wage. And the um, the uh, Texas legislature was against it because they said they don't want teenagers to make more than their fathers. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and that tells you there's you know, a problem. Maybe it was six dollars, whatever right it was, but there was a big. Yeah. They, it, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have have places where the the teens may make more than their. I than remember their working working my first job back in the 1980s and in, in Ontario, and the minimum wage at the time was five sixty five an hour. And I thought I was flush because at the time you could get an apartment on the other side of town from where I lived for about two hundred and fifty a month. Whoa. So I mean I, I was I was rolling in cash at minimum wage, right? But now minimum wage that won't even buy you food for the month. No, exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, and you, you have to remember, if you're a bit of a student of history, you go through history, uh, corporate interests have always been against absolutely everything of progress, you know. They, 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 were, they were the ones saying, oh, my God, you know, 40 hours a week? Oh, our businesses are going to close. Yes, you know, they if, do it all the time. What do you mean? Weekends off? There's no way you can't have weekends where no, businesses we are going to close. We need to have this business working seven yeah, days a week. Yeah, yeah. That's right. What do you mean child labor laws? We can't have that. How no, are we going to get... Who's, who's going to do all that grub exactly. labor? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. God, you you mean the blacks? We have to pay the blacks now? Oh my God, we can't do that. They were our slaves. Well, we're going to close. If I mean, how how could we? It's always it? been that side. That I on know, that side. And the children of those people are now in the U.S. Senate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The legacy and, and has part been of the problem. Passed, <laughs> the legacy has been passed on unbroken. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, I I don't have any any. Uh, what do you? I, I feel sorry for the employees, and I hope that enough people do feel sorry for the employees. And this is one of those ones where you could say, well, boycott Tim Hortons. Well, then you're only hurting the employees more at that point. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a no-win situation because the owners have their cake, they're eating it, and they're giving us the finger. No, but you, know. you, you can't at least write to them and say, hey, what you guys are doing is wrong. Well, maybe the bad publicity will. I, I'm hoping there yeah. will be enough bad publicity to, uh, you know, have them rethink. And change it's your mind. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. yeah, it would be. Now, on on a side note, though, Tim Hortons prices. If you look at back, remember I said back in the 1980s, I was making five sixty five an hour in Ontario. I don't know what the minimum wage was everywhere else in the country. God, you're so old, Scott. I know, um, but five sixty five an hour, and uh, coffee at Tim Hortons was about 95 cents for a large coffee. Well, now a large coffee is only about a dollar eighty. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you have to question. Okay, wait a minute. If the minimum wage went up to fourteen bucks an hour from five sixty-five, why isn't a coffee two fifty? See, because 
something's happened there. They've kept their prices really low at Tim Hortons. They haven't raised the prices of the donuts. They haven't raised the prices of the coffee. And coffee's their big moneymaker. Well, they've raised right. the price of their donuts for sure. But not not to the tune of what the wages have gone up. It's no. the one. It's an artificially low... Um, I hate to say it, but Starbucks is probably closer to the mark on what coffee should cost right now based on wages. Yeah. Disturbing. Yeah, that is <laughs> but, disturbing. But, I mean, you know, you want that volume. $2 coffee, right? It's but, volume. With, yeah. For yeah, yeah. Tim Hortons, if they're only making a, a three cents on a coffee, they sell 10,000 coffees a day at a location. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. I have no idea what the volume of Tim's is. If, if you've got a Starbucks and a Tim's that are in the same shopping center, it would be interesting Interesting to know. I think Tim's has higher Tim's volume. Tim's would probably, you know, yeah, it's higher beat volume, them by but thousands. It's all horrible but coffee anyway. But I bet Starbucks <laughs> makes a better profit. Well, that's profit because you're not a coffee drinker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you guys remember the story? We, we talked uh, several shows ago about this guy named Joshua Boyle. This is the guy that went uh, backpacking in, in Afghanistan with his uh, pregnant wife oh, at the time. What an yeah. idiot! And he was captured. Yeah. And he was what spent an like idiot. yeah. Well, he he spent five years in 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 Afghanistan as a, as a as a captive, and he finally came back to Canada. And we actually report on that. And they and had now, two children while they were yes. Yeah. They kind of lost one there, right. and they, she gave birth to two yeah. more and stuff like that. And now he, now he's in trouble with the king judicial system apparently he's facing 15 criminal charges I know and this is since he's come back yeah rape Uh, actually uh, he's 34 say 8 of assault 2 of sexual assault 2 of unlawful confinement and a couple more Unbelievable, and there are two people I think well, that yeah, they the haven't question. identified as being—I I hate to say victims—but they're the ones who brought the charges. Yeah, you have to question first the mental stability of somebody. Exactly. Five years, five years he was in Afghanistan. So what's that put it? Twenty twelve. Uh, about that. Yeah. He was backpacking. So are they not still fighting? The Americans are still fighting in Afghanistan, are they not? And weren't we fighting alongside them up until about yeah. two thousand and nine? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so there's an ongoing conflict in Afghanistan. And excuse my language here, Kevin. Who in the fuck is stupid enough to go to a conflicted country backpacking? Yeah, I know. Okay, the guy is <laughs> mentally retarded in the first place. I, you know, I, I can't help but think this guy is almost like a perfect Manchurian candidate. Yeah, you know, there you he, go. he's a guy that goes backpacking there for God knows what reason, and all of a sudden, maybe five years in captivity and seeing a lot of violence and all that kind of made that impression on him that it was the thing to do. I it wasn't mean, the, good enough to go backpacking the, the obvious, in Alaska. Or? The obvious observation is it's very possible that he's not been stable exactly. all this yes. time, exactly. and the confinement. Plus, you know, having to go through suddenly he's free, the children trying to adjust to um, freedom after all that Mm -hmm. captivity. There just seems to be a a lot that must have been affecting him to push him over the edge. His family, the, the wife and children that he has now, are the ones suffering on this. Yeah. Yeah, again. absolutely. They get to suffer again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, when, when they released him, he, remember, he didn't want to go to the States because he had some fears of, uh, you know, there. And then he came to Canada. So there's been pretty much there's, some There's sign, something yeah, else something, behind the story for sure. Something going on. I hope uh, he gets some help. I hope he just doesn't go to prison. So. I hope he gets some help and his wife and kids, you know, are able to get 
get through this with support. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other news, did you guys hear that Trump decided to move to expand offshore drilling? No. In the Atlantic and the Arctic. Really? There's a five-year plan that would open 90% of offshore reserves to private companies. Thank you, Mr. Zinke. Exactly. 19 in Alaska, 12 in the Gulf of Mexico, 9 in the Atlantic, and 7 in the Pacific. 47 leases from 2019 to 2024. And all of these um, states that border, you know, the, at the at both coasts mm-hmm. are, are against it, which doesn't make any difference because Zinke is uh, yeah. trying to, I, I, I'm i probably going to go to jail for this, so <laughs> say goodbye to me right? today. Again? Okay. You're going to go to jail again? I'm going to go to jail, but I think that the deals that Zinke is making is putting money in his pockets, and he's trying to get as much out of this uh, appointment as he can. Oh, yeah. And I think the scandal will probably come out. And if this is liable and they come to get me, so 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 be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you said the right thing. You said I think. I yeah. think. On top of that, he uh, Trump is apparently proposing to kill the 2010 rules that were written after the BP oil spill. So now he's and, deregulating and that. And everyone is surprised because no, nobody's surprised. Nobody's surpri- exactly. That's that's a problem. And last but not least, did you guys hear that PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, is suggesting a meat tax? A I tax heard, on yeah. meat. What a bunch of idiots. Well, it, it, to them, this, they're calling it, it's a bit like a liquor tax in, in the hopes of changing the eating habits and they, uh, do that as an environmental move. You don't need to eat. Uh, you don't need to drink liquor to survive, but some people do need to eat meat to survive. No, you need protein. But you can find other sources of protein, right? Well, there there you go. Now, do, do you think, I don't know whether this is ever going to come to pass, but do you think that will encourage the people who are trying to produce artificial beef in the lab? Oh, that, that's an interesting question. I yeah. don't know. I think yeah, that because they've actually produced it, they're trying to. I think it will head that way yeah, anyway. Produce it probably wasn't the right word, but th- whatever yeah. it is, I think it, it's going to head that way anyway. It's going to head that way anyway, and uh, speaking as a carnivore myself, I love my meat. I could see what they're trying to do here. I, okay, you know, what, understand that. What's the point of the tax? Well, the point of the tax is if you reduce meat consumption, because agricultural uh, raising of cattle that is. Uh, very taxing, for lack of a better word, on the environment. It really is. Uh, you're cutting down forests to make sure that your your cows can graze, and you know the the beef industry and all that. It's very energy intensive. If 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 the population went much more vegetarian, you would reduce the the footprint, the carbon footprint. Okay, drastically. So let's, let's just talk about the average rancher, not the big corporation. Well, there is no such thing as an average ranger anymore. That's the problem. They're still out there. We can buy meat here in Abbotsford from a guy who comes up from from up country and and sells it. It's grain fed or uh, grass fed and free range and no antibiotics and organic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So let's take the average rancher. Now, he owns his land. Now, I believe that when you own land, you're allowed to use it for whatever you want. Yeah. So now PETA comes along and says... Because he owns his land and grows cattle on it and sells those cattle at market, they get to tax him for that? No, no, no. They're not. They're not. They're not aiming at a particular guy. Let's say, for example, no, no, no. But they're taxing all meat. Yeah. So now he gets punished. His business gets punished for utilizing his land. 
Well, I don't know. Is it a consumer tax or is it I, a tax on the rancher? The article or? didn't say. I, 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 I assumed, and I could be wrong, I assumed it was a consumer tax. Yeah, that's what I assumed. a consumer tax, but any time that you tax the consumer, I didn't agree with the cigarette taxes mm-hmm. because there's people out there who had tobacco farms. So now you're punishing them by cutting into their... by cut, and, and it's not that you're taxing them directly. But you're affecting the business. You're effectively shutting down the business. So here's a guy. Yeah, but okay, but let me make the counterpoint here. Huh? Let me make the counterpoint here. Let's let's go with the tobacco guy. I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate because yeah. I love doing that. But yeah, that's good. The guy who's smoking, okay, isn't he costing you money and the health services? To a point. So yeah. is the guy. So is the guy who goes skiing and breaks his leg. But we don't penalize him. I I think it's a bit it's a bit more. Uh, predictive that a guy who smokes throughout his life is going to have much more health issues than a guy who skis. No. Throughout his How about life. the guy? Well, I, no, I'm I'm just using I'm using that as the example because there's a lot of sports injuries every year. Do you know how many kids are hurt on football fields every year? But hey, football—that's a big thing. Do you know how many kids are hurt on football fields every year? And we have to pay for a that. concussion tax. Well, <laughs> why not? <laughs> you see, Man, we you went can't, from me to concussion tax at about. 30 seconds. I don't think it, maybe it took 15 seconds to get from meat tax to concussion tax. I'm very, I'm very (laughs) big on this because our society is real good at telling other people in the society how they're going to live their lives. You're going to live your life this way because I think, well, no, stop doing that. Okay, that that's a really bad thing to do, and PETA can go right to hell for all I care. Yeah, but the problem is, is if you adopt too much of a libertarian streak, which is fine, but the problem is, is what you do affects me as well, and sure it affects it us as a species. Sure, it does. I and mean, it sure but, starts a great discussion. Though. But yeah. it affects us as a species. We're talking about growing meat here. We've eaten meat for three million years. Yes, and look where it's landed us. We're, we're not, uh, to, but for also for, to come for along and say let's have a tax on that. Well, for, for 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 almost three million years, also the population was maybe less than a million, right? Right now we're seven billion plus, seven point six right now as we speak. So it has a much a much bigger impact. Right, it's because there's too many of us. Right, if if there was still only a million or two million or five hundred million humans on the planet, I don't think this would be an issue. You're well. You're right. You're right. We should but, find somebody on PETA to come be on the show. Oh, that'd be interesting. But taxing taxing people is just increasing a problem that has nothing to do with the meat. That's increasing the problem of people not having enough money to eat. And have we thought about that? Because well, by increasing taxes, all you're doing is increasing the cost to the people that can least afford it. Well, yeah, well, this, okay, the cost is already artificially inflated for a lot of things. Sure it is, but now let's just add to that. Let's let's make it worse. Yeah, I always thought we should we should uh, subsidize uh, vegetables. And so and has that. anybody thought? Has anybody thought about? Yeah, okay, let's get everybody off meat. I say the same thing about electric cars. When, If 100% of the people went electric cars right now, you wouldn't have an electrical grid because it would crash. If 100% of the people stopped eating meat and only went vegetarian or uh, vegan, as the case of PETA wants it, you go vegan, now you've got a big problem because there isn't enough to go around. Yeah, but wait a minute. I mean, we're only talking about one type of meat, beef. We're not talking chicken 
We're oh, not talking. Oh no, it was all meat. They We're wanted not, to. It, it, is it all, yeah, meat? all oh, meat? Yeah, it's all a meat thing. tack. Yeah. Oh, I thought it. I thought it was just beef. Oh. Yeah. So even if you eat where's your the hamster meat? at home, uh, you yeah, buy hamsters. Yeah, if sorry. you buy rats, they're gonna they're gonna tax the rats because you oh, might okay. eat those rats. Hey. See? They they're not pets. You might eat them. You make ratatouille with rats. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I get very. Uh, I apologize. For no, it's okay. So no, that, that's great. I mean, it all yeah. adds. It's part to of the a, conversation. A discussion about uh, what what the factors are that are mm-hmm. involved and how people are going to feel about it. And if we can find, if anybody's listening and they're a member of PETA, please give us a call and let's yeah, extend yeah. the conversation. That, that would be interesting to get some input yeah. from the Absolutely. people of PETA. Yeah. All right. So moving on, and let's do what we call a new segment. It is. So you call it the top ten. Yeah, top ten of the week. For for the last uh, little over three years or so, we've been doing this day in history. And since I'm three or four thousand years old, most of the (laughs) items that have been on that list have come from my own own experience or, you know, things that uh, I've been able to witness. And it's been all about me. So (laughs) at this point, I think we'll, we'll try something fun this year and do... Top 10 of the week. And we get a new jingle, so let's hey, play that. Let's do all jingle and, <laughs> and let's top 10. Okay, so to start the new year off right, um, here we go on January the 6th. Let's do the top 10 New Year's resolution. Oh! According Ow. to. Time Magazine. Uh Oh, all right. So this is an authority that uh, we pay attention to. All right, number ten, drink less. (laughs) Okay. Should be top ten failures of New Year's resolutions. At least it's not number one. We're okay so far. Number nine, volunteer, which I think is a really good resolution. Yes. Okay. Number eight, be less stressed. Number seven, travel to new places. Six, spend more time with family. That's always a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that one should be, you know, that one should be number one. That, but that it's should not. be right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five, get out of debt and save money. There we go. Halfway. There's halfway a worthy. Through. That's good. That goes right up there with drinking. Though. Right up there. The second one that fails too. There we go. Number four uh, goes a little bit back to what we were talking about with meat, but eat healthier and diet. Yes. All right. Yeah. There's nothing to complain about there. Number three, learn something new. That could be at the head of the list too. That's that's a good one. Number two, quit smoking, mm-hmm. which is you know. That's always okay. a big one. All right. Anybody want to guess what number one is? Go back to the gym. You are correct. And get the <laughs> <Wow>. cigar. <laughs> Lose weight and get fit. Boy, oh boy, Mr. Fitness there, you came That's up That's because it's it. also my resolution yeah. every year. <laughs> every year. Yeah, very good. Should that be number one, do you think? Or or, or should any of those others been... No, I think I think it's a worthy number good? one. It's just, you know, I, I've been a gym rat for a long time now. Yeah. And and you can totally tell. Uh, there's a few periods when you're, you're in the gym and you're one of the years old as the machine's there and then you're a veteran. <laughs> And and you, and you can you you totally realize that from January it gets really busy till about March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then they all fade off. away. Oh, you see a yeah. little bunch of people you've never seen before. They disappear by the time March comes around. And then somewhere around May June, the kids come in. 
because they're pumping up for prom. Ah. Right? Ah. So they're pumping up for prom. So they, they can it up. They pump it up. So they want to look really good, really sexy, and all that. So Ooh. they think being in the gym for two weeks is going to help them with that. And then, of course, you get summertime vacation, and it just dies down. It just dies down. Then in September, they come back in with the school, you know, and then people are. <laughs> this is September till about December is when people are actually working out. <laughs> it's been my experience anyway. Yeah, I, I think I think that's true. It is cyclical, depending on. Oh, totally. You can almost set your watch to events. Yeah. 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 So, Scott, is there anything not on the list that you would consider to be one of your? Or do you have a New Year's resolution? Yeah. Or do yeah. You have I one? didn't make a New Year's resolution because every year I have failed. Uh. And yes, losing, losing weight was losing weight was it. one of my major ones. Yeah. Uh, which one? Eating healthier, losing weight, losing weight eating yeah. healthier. Yeah. Um, which I. It, it lasts for about two days, and then, you know, then you have a party or something, and you're eating garbage again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. See. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. Is, it, is it worthwhile to use the new year to so. set goals? I, mean, I think is so. That a about, it depends thing? how driven you are. But uh, my my recommendation, and what I've always done, and I'm usually very successful with my fairly successful my my New Year's resolution, is always take baby steps. Um, yes. For example, I've, yeah. I've you know, going to the gym and all that, I'm still going to continue doing that, of course. But this year, for example, uh, I'm going to stop drinking uh, soft drinks, pop. Oh, there you that's go. a yeah. good one. I've, 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 you know, pretty much, I've pretty much stopped, other than the odd one at work. Uh, I've gone over to Club Soda. Exactly. I'm fizzy, right? it's Club Soda now. And you baby step. You start with yeah. one, and next year it's going to be something like pop and chocolate bars. Or something like that, right? Little mm-hmm. baby steps. So it doesn't yep. seem like, oh, I'm just going to lose 200 pounds. No, no, that's not, that's not going to work. You no, just you do lose, little baby steps. You start steps. losing one pound a month, and then it turns oh, one, to two pounds a month, and then it turns it, to three pounds Baby a steps month. is the way yeah. to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Nancy? Do you have a resolution this year? I mean, you've 3,000 plus resolutions. 3,000 resolutions. I think I've pretty well covered everything. <laughs> no, I, th- I think mostly just kind of prioritize the important stuff with the with the small stuff and try to combine each day with a little of each you know just kind of make make the days count okay a little bit little bit more okay perfect yeah. excellent well thank you so much for this new segment new one. I think it's gonna be fun and if anybody out there has any top 10 ideas that they would like to submit please do we'll, there you go we'll one of the top right 10 up. ideas to yeah. submit submit <laughs> Yeah. Left in the valley. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Oh goodness gracious! Perfect. That works great. But in the meantime, let's play our segment that we all love. Where's my thing? Called another brilliant moment. Brought to you by religion. We're not stopping that segment. There's no way we could stop that. There's too too much material. (laughs) I've got three little stories for you guys today. Uh, This one's a bit older one. Uh, Earlier in November of last year, uh, Tweetastic owner Leona Rollison got an interesting package. She received a Bible in the mail. (laughs) Accompanied by a letter warning her that if she remains open on Sundays... Some Christians in their tiny town may boycott them. Hmm. Are you kidding? I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse. No, what? I, I, I miss, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what. What was the, the business that she's in? Uh, tweet testing. 
Tweetastic? I'm thinking some kind of clothing outfit. Tweetastic? Yeah, that's the name of the business. Yeah, yeah, it can't pick up the, the product from the name. Interesting name. It's got tweed, so it's going to be... Tweed? Oh, it's yeah. tweed? Yeah. T-W-E-E-D? Yes. Oh, it's probably a, it it's a textiles. No, 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 it's a textiles. It's going to be clothing. It's textiles. Gotcha. textiles uh, yeah. business, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Quo- so, quote, the letter says, The purpose of the letter is certainly not to intimidate you in closing on Sunday, nor are we aware of any organized campaign in relation to this matter. <laughs> that was a letter from uh, Dan McPhail, really? a fellow resident in Scotland's Isle of Lewis. However, it is a sincere and humble request that you consider closing the shop on the Lord's Day. <laughs> How did she respond? Um, Burn the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> By selling it on Sunday. Well, she, she didn't really respond, but the threat backfired. As Wallison's partner Martin Fleet noted on Facebook, members of their small community have been supportive following the Bible mailing incident. So they basically took it to social media, and the community said, Look at these crackpots. Oh my gosh. Quote, lots of lovely people have called into the shop to offer support, people of faith and no faith alike. The resounding message over and over again has been that this is not about religion, it's about controlling behavior. Ta-da! By a t- tiny, sanctimonious minority that professes to speak for the island, but in reality only speaks for the narrow, fundamentalist interpretation of Christianity. Boo! Well said. Well said, well indeed. Said. Take that, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, well, I had to throw that in there. Moving on. Moving on to Egypt. Egypt. You know Egypt? Land of mysterious pyramids, exotic foods. We got that big river that flows through it, too. Yes. The hot sun and religious stupidity. Oh, no. Did you know, guys hear that atheism could be banned in Egypt in a bit to stop people from turning gay? Mm-hmm. Because nothing turns you gay like being an atheist, apparently. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out, how do you ban, how do you ban what somebody believes or doesn't believe? Um, you can't. You just yeah. punish them. That's all you can do. Exactly. So the Parliamentary Committee on Religion has revealed plans to make promotion of atheism illegal. It is thought that it is in a bid to uh, encase uh, another bill, which is deemed to be the most homophobic bill in the the world, fails. So speaking exclusively to to a, a newspaper, a lawyer in Cairo has decoded the law that will ban promotion of atheist thought. How are you going to... Wow, how do you... Ban how do you yeah. Hello, yeah. 1984. How are you going to ban that? This lawyer's name, Abdul, um, he doesn't want to use his last name, uh, said Egyptian psychologists and the media have claimed atheism leads to mental imbalance. Oh. Wow. So, mental imbalance is a code for anything that would consider a perversion, such as homosexuality, adultery, and psychopathy, he said. Are we really in 2017? Yeah, Egypt. It's just like well, 19... Well, Egypt, well, right? According to, to any fundamentalist... Uh, sect, group, or religion, atheism leads to everything bad. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's just there's nothing left off the list that leaves everything. We, we must be doing something wrong so because the only thing atheism has led us to do is podcasting. So let me see. That would mean that the uh, the bishops the bishops and stuff that got in trouble with the Catholic Church, they must have been uh, backseat atheists. <laughs> Maybe. And, Who knows? Um, let's see. What else? What was that guy's name um, in the 80s? Got caught with all the money. He was a big TV evangelist. Peter Popoff. Okay, there was him. There was another one, too. Uh, they must have been atheists, right? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Is that Why the way not? that works? And, and 97% of the people in jail 
who profess to be of one faith or another, they must all be atheist. Yeah. That's what it is. That's it is. A recent crackdown on LGBT rights in Egypt has led to a minimum of 34 people in jail. Mm. So they're actually wow. really cracking down on people. Yeah, which is, I mean, we're making fun, but it's its tragic. It affects a lot of yeah. people's lives. It puts them in jeopardy. It puts their family in jeopardy. It's, uh, it's, it's awful. While no details about the anti-atheist bill have been revealed, it is already taboo. To, uh, to not be a believer in Egypt. Around 90% of Egypt's population considers itself Muslim, around 10% are of majority Christian, with a tiny minority declaring themselves atheist. A um, government-affiliated Islamic center called Dar al-Ifta claim in 2014 there are 866 atheists in the country, please. <laughs> Um, they, they counted them. Multiply that by a couple of thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amounting to 0.001% of the population. <laughs> the Guardian called the number suspiciously precise. <laughs> um, novelist Alma Hamad was jailed for two months for publishing a book that contained atheistic ideal in 2011. It was considered a threat to national unity and social peace. What? Repression will not turn gay people straight, said Human Rights Watch Sarah Lee Woodson. It will only perpetuate fear and abuse. Absolutely. I bet Jeff Sessions is keeping an eye on that and trying to draft legislation for the U.S. model. Oh. <laughs> how, how can how can we use this as a model? You know, for the for the U.S. I guarantee you, he's looking at him saying, like, "Go Egypt." <laughs> it's just sad. It's, it's so sad. I, you know, Egypt's not the first country I've heard about this in. There was another country... Saudi Arabia has made it illegal too. Yeah. Well, uh, there was another country last month, and I forget where it was, where they, they were actually saying uh, that atheists... Um, it was the same idea. The thought, the promotion of, mm-hmm. and... Basically, the government. The African was, countries, I can't remember. I don't know if it yeah, was. A well, Bangladesh has been very good yeah. at cutting down atheists. Yeah, and, and it's like, what? How can you control what people think? Like what? What is going through your head yeah. as a government to say we have to control what people think? It's because they're re- they're realizing now more than ever that uh, although it's kind of funny if you look on so- a little sidebar here, you look on social media or something like that, you realize the Muslims and the Christians aren't fighting anymore. They're not fighting. They're 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 ganging on atheists. They're realizing that atheism is a threat. It is a huge is, threat to their religion and their because, way of life. Because once people get away with with free thought and they begin to, to infect others with free yeah. thought, then they begin to protest, then they begin yeah. to threaten the power structure, so we're doing and this then all there wrong. goes all the gold in the coffers that the tyrants have been able to uh, accumulate so, uh, by, uh, by keeping everybody you know, suppressed in terms of we're, their, we're doing their thinking. This, we're doing this all wrong, though. Let's look at it this way. What test is there to show whether or not you're a believer or an atheist? What test? Yeah, what test? What definitive test can prove that Nancy's uh, a believer or an atheist? I don't know. Exactly. So all you have to do when you go to these countries is fake it. And as a matter of of fact, (laughs) if you want to bring down religion, a whole bunch of us should take psychological training and we should fake it right into the upper echelons of the religion and change it from the inside out. (laughs) I, I think so. But looking at the dark side, I think it's... When, when when governments 
want to use that as a crackdown. Now they have uh, spy, spies of whatever kind reporting conversations of people who they think are suspect, and they use it as a as an excuse to jail people and use them as an as a bad example to scare people into into faking it. So there are ways, whether someone is an atheist or not, that they'll get you. And well, you can say yeah, that. Well, no, if you guys think that uh, Egypt was a land of stupidity, wait well, till you go to well, Wisconsin. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> a Wisconsin lawmaker uh, tells his constituents who are not Christian to join him and his fellow Christian and convert to Christianity or be destroyed. <laughs> what? Oh. Wisconsin State Representative Scott Allen, Republican, of course, (laughs) speaks of Christian love while telling non-Christian they will be destroyed in an obnoxious and condescending YouTube video posted on his official Wisconsin Assembly Republican YouTube channel earlier this month, or the last month. In the video, a patronizing and smug Allen used a Bible verse to suggest non-Christian will be destroyed. (laughs) Quote, Merry Christmas... To me and my fellow Christians, to me. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. Who says that? <laughs> okay, Alan, midterms are coming. <laughs> yep. You know Ce- hold on, I'm not done with the quote funny. here. Celebrating the birth of our Savior, our Emmanuel, well, it is one of the most important celebrations of the year. For those who may watch this, who are not Christians, I invite you to consider the hope offered by the Prince of Peace. He goes on for a little while, and then he says, My friends, we will attain peace through love this season. Think of how you can love the people in your family, in your life, family, friends, neighbors, just a little bit more. Encourage them, fellowship with them. Our world needs more love and more peace. Good message so far, right? We do our part to make this world a most peaceful place by bringing more loving in our relationship. We gain strength through love. Hebrews 10 conclude, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Merry Christmas! <laughs> this wow. guy's so loving. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and we look forward to destroying you. In that's, that's right, that's right. So much love. We, we're bringing love into the world, and love, and love is going to make things right, and we're going to destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> Tough love is, is what he's actually talking about. Uh, oh. Can the midterms come next month? Can they move up? Maybe maybe the U.S. can go to six weeks of of, of, of politics and then the election. Let's maybe in March we can get all these people out. Oh goodness! You can always count this U.S. to come up with some weird story like that. You know what they used to say that you know what what's the best? Uh, there was a joke about lawyers where they said the best. The best lawyer had something to do with a bus going off a cliff and sinking in the ocean. Oh, and I don't. A bus full of lawyers, right? And uh, that's the best lawyer you can see is a dead lawyer. I'm starting <laughs> to think that we should fill the bus with Christian lawmakers and just roll it off the cliff. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. So let's take a quick break and we'll come right back, and Scott will be explaining to us some of the origins of New Year's. Yay. That'll be fun. So stay with us and stop coughing. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy, 
We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2000. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. And we're back. Now, just before we go into the uh, the, uh, the little thing that Scott has there on uh, New Year's Eve, I thought I'd give you guys a quick, uh, since we're doing the top ten, a quick uh, top ten science stories of 2017. Ooh, good. Uh, very, very quickly and very briefly. We, uh, we're always pro-science, so I thought you guys would find this interesting. Uh, 2017 is when we saw the uh, neutrons, uh, neutron star collide. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest story of the year, was undoubtedly the detection of a pair of colliding neutron stars. Scary. 130 million light years away. Astronomers heard a gravitational wave chirp. And immediately saw a gamma flash, a gamma ray flash, followed by a long-lasted fireball, exactly as they predicted. That yeah. happened in 2017. Very cool. Another story was the habitable hopes, the uh, Trappist One system. That's a uh, system of a star that's far away. Was found to contain seven Earth-sized planets, and they're likely candidates to search for life when bigger and better telescopes are available. Mm. Another story that we had also was the antimatter puzzle. Extremely precise measurements of the magnetic properties of the antiproton failed to reveal any difference between it and the proton, hmm. leaving scientists baffled as to why the universe contains so much matter and so little antimatter. Uh, another story was the light sonic boom. When they used an ultra-fast camera, that can capture 100 billion frames per second. That's a, that's a really fast camera. Researchers, researchers film the shock waves thrown off by a pulse of light as it travels. Very cool. Very very cool. I'm actually watching the little video there, and it's almost like a it's almost like a bullet of light followed by a V of shock wave right right on it. Um, there was another story also around the solar system that it was a big year for human exploration for our neighboring planets. The Juno mission discovered a whole new world of information on in, in imagery on Jupiter. While, remember Cassini? The Cassini mission came to a spectacular conclusion when it plunged into the atmosphere of Saturn. And there was also a story about uh, visitors from further afield. There were two kinds of alien visitors that made headlines this year. The first... Uh, was with the confirmation that many fast-moving cosmic rays are in fact atoms that have traveled all the way from other galaxies. Wow. And second, with the passage of uh, of through the solar system of... Wow, well, I'm going to but- butcher this. 
Oumuamua, the first asteroid we have ever seen come from interstellar space. So we actually saw a uh, an asteroid from interstellar space from another galaxy altogether. Um, we also had a story this year about uh, uh, being a step closer to designer babies. The achievement of error-free genetic editing in human embryos. Remember that? They repaired a faulty protein, raised question about whether the technology should be used and for what purposes. When they eliminated a, a, uh, a disease into a uh, or genetic mouth malfunction, if you wish, yeah. in, uh, in a, uh, an embryo. There was also a discovery of a, uh, a new uh, a new dinosaur. <laughs> it kind of looks like a duck, but it's a dinosaur. It's a bizarre and striking fossil that had a new member of the raptor family. Uh, it was called the... Oh, jeez, I'm going to massacre this too. Halskaraptor Uskrili. Wow. Hmm. He needs a nickname. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. That's, anyway, and as one of the... Uh, in the words of one paleontologist, uh, showed they are not all knife-toed murder birds. So this one doesn't have that big mm-hmm. toe that most raptors are known for. Knife-toed murder. <coughs> that, that's really. No, this one was not though. This one looked more like a looked more tame. Let's just say that. Um, of course, there was also in the frozen waste of Antarctica. Scientists found bacteria that can survive by drawing energy from trace gases in the atmosphere without the aid of sunlight or geothermal energy. That's very interesting. The discovery redraws the parameters of what light, uh, what might be possible for life on Earth or elsewhere. And last, but certainly not least, in a year packed with new insight on the deep history of humanity, two stood out. The remains found in Morocco show that humans, much like us, have existed for at least 300,000 years, which is 100,000 more than anyone thought at the time. And artifacts from Medjibibi in northern territories were dated 65,000 years ago, significantly pushing back the date of human settlements in Australia. Wow. I have a feeling that if anyone was looking to give you the perfect gift, Kevin, that the perfect gift for you would be six months apprenticeship with Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) and the other six months with some archaeologists who are digging into the uh, the origins of of our species you know, that probably would give you a year of absolute pure joy i always wanted to be a paleontologist as a child <laughs> absolutely i i would totally be into that right so if anyone out there has been racking their brains what <laughs> to give kevin as a as a birthday gift you now know what it is and i'll chip in <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm just trying to picture him in the uh the standard archaeological uniform you know the hat. And the <laughs> you mean like the uh, the the old British explorer? Hat? Yes, the old British explorer uniform. <laughs> yes. That'd be funny. Yeah. All right, Scott. Today you're going to talk to us about New Year's Day, right? Apparently, I is. Oh, so excellent. Me, uh, as soon as you can get on the tablet. Yeah, let me get the tablet. Fantastic. So I have something to read. Oh, this is really good. So New Year's. What is the origins of New Year's, and all about New Year's Eve? Civilizations around the world have been celebrating the start of each year for the last four millennia. Today, most New Year's festivities begin on December 31st, which we call New Year's Eve. And uh, it's also the last day of the uh, Gregorian calendar. And continue into the early hours of January 1st, New Year's Day. 
And uh, common traditions include attending parties, eating special New Year's foods, making resolutions for the New Year, which we talked about with, uh, with Nancy, and watching fireworks displays. I love fireworks displays. The earliest recorded festivities in honor of a New Year's arrival date uh, arrival date back some 4,000 years to ancient Babylon. For the Babylonians, the first new moon, following the vernal equinox, the day in late March with an equal amount of sunlight and darkness, heralded the start of a new year. They marked the occasion with a massive religious festival called Akitu. Am I pronouncing that properly? Akitu? 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 A-K-I-T-U. Sure, why not? That's derived from the Sumerian word for barley, <laughs> which was cut in the spring. Festival of barley. Ah, that makes sense. Festival of barley. Okay, sure, so why and not? that involved a different ritual on each. Of to its you own. too. <laughs> involved a different ritual on each of its eleven days. In addition to the new year, Akitu celebrated the mythical victory of the Babylonian sky god Marduk over the evil sea goddess uh, Tiamat. Tiamat, Tiamat the dragon. Yes, and served an important political purpose. It was during this time that a new king was crowned or that the current ruler's divine mandate was symbolically renewed. Throughout antiquity, civilizations around the world developed increasingly sophisticated calendars, typically pinning the first day of the year to an agricultural or astronomical event. In Egypt, for instance, the year began with the annual flooding of the Nile, which coincided with the rising of the star Sirius. The first day of the Chinese New Year, meanwhile, occurred on the second new moon after the winter solstice. So when did January 1st become New Year's Day? Well, the early Roman calendar consisted of 10 months and 304 days, with each new year beginning at the vernal equinox. According to tradition, it was created by Romulus, the founder of Rome, in the 8th century BC. Did you just go into Star Trek all of a sudden? I did. I did. Well, it's not my fault. Them Romans, man. They named stuff. And, uh, a later king, Numa, uh, uh, Numa Pompilius, if I pronounce that properly, is credited with adding the months of Januarius and Februarius. Ooh, I'm going to start using that. What yes, is Januarius? Like it that. sounds better than January. Like Januarius. Over, over the centuries, the calendar fell out of sync with the sun, and in 46 B.C., the uh, Emperor Julius Caesar decided to solve the problem by consulting with the most prominent astronomers and mathematicians of his time. He introduced the Julian calendar, which closely resembles the more modern Gregorian calendar that most countries around the world use today. As part of his reform, Caesar instituted January 1st, uh, that would be Januarius Januarius 1st, <laughs> as the first day of the year, partly to honor the month's namesake, Janus the Roman god of beginnings, whose two faces allowed him to look back into the past and forward into the future. Mm, Very interesting, yes. Romans celebrated by offering sacrifices to Janus, exchanging gifts with one another, and decorating their homes with laurel, laurel branches and attending uh, raucous parties. Oh boy, I love those parties. Any, any you, excuse you know for a, a Roman, party, yeah, Roman Romans party had party. to have something going on. Equi to you too, yes. right? Uh, <laughs> in medieval Europe, uh, Christian leaders temporarily replaced January 1st as the first of the year with days carrying more religious significance. Such well, of as, course they did. Such as December 25th, the anniversary of Jesus' birth, and March 25th, the Feast of Annunciation. 
Pope Gregory the eighth, uh, the thirteenth. Sorry, Pope Gregory the thirteenth reestablished January first as New Year's Day in eight, uh, 1582. Hold on, hold on, I have a second there. I, I oh, just, yeah. I just got to make that 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 default. <sighs> Christians are so full of themselves and they're so made up. Like, you can see that the 25th is the birth of Jesus, which we know it didn't happen. So the Feast of the Annunciation is nine months prior to the exact day because Jesus' birth had to be nine months to the day. Exactly. Hey, you <laughs> oh, my know, God. They had to make it's so things. made up. So, anyway. Um, we'll, no, no, we'll it's just... No, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's cool. It's brilliant in, in, in its... In Did, doesn't anybody see this? Conception. <laughs> Nine months well, through the day. Yeah. They all see it. So, New Year's traditions, now that we're talking about January 1st again. Uh, and actually, we're going to roll it back a day to December 31st. In many countries, New Year's celebrations begin on the evening of the 31st. New Year's Eve, and continue into the early hours of January 1st, as we've said before. Revelers often enjoy meals and snacks uh, thought to bestow good luck for the coming year. In Spain and several other Spanish-speaking countries, people bolt down a dozen grapes, symbolizing their hopes for the months ahead right before midnight. In That sounds like a good way to choke to death. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that worked out well, didn't it? He died. <laughs> uh, in many parts of the world, traditional New Year's dishes feature legumes, which are thought to resemble coins, and herald future financial success. Examples include lentils in Italy, black-eyed peas in the southern United States. Huh, that's interesting. Oh, no, it's wonderful. The, the South has black-eyed peas for good luck, and then they have um, collard, some kind of collard greens, which means money. Um, and uh, so you have, you know, beans, sometimes rice and collard greens. It's a it's a tradition to bring bring good luck for the rest of the year. That's very cool. It is. It yeah, is. that's it's actually. I mean, wow. Um, because pigs represent progress and prosperity in some cultures, pork appears on the New Year's Eve table in Cuba, Austria, Hungary, Portugal, and other and some other countries. Ring-shaped cakes and pastries, a sign that the year has come full circle round out the feast in uh, the Netherlands, Mexico, Greece, and elsewhere. In Sweden and Norway, meanwhile, rice pudding with an almond hidden inside is served on New Year's Eve. It's said that whoever finds the nut can expect 12 months of good fortune. Mm. Or choke to death. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Other customs that are common worldwide, including watching fireworks, singing songs to welcome the new year, including the ever-popular Old Lang Syne, uh, in many English-speaking countries, anyway. The, the practice of making resolutions for the new year is thought to have first caught on among the ancient Babylonians, who made promises in order to earn the favor of the gods and start the year off on the right foot, assuming they didn't choke to death. They would purportedly vow to pay off debts and return bor borrowed farm equipment. Not not much has changed there. Pay off debts. Isn't that one of our top yeah, ten? Yeah, that was one of our top ten. Yeah. In the United States, the most iconic New Year's tradition, of course, is the uh, the dropping of the giant ball in New York City's Times Square. It's not that giant. It's only about three feet across. Didn't they drop that on Dick Clark? Yeah. They, they dropped it on him, right? Yeah, I think no. they did, too. <laughs> that would have been a tradition. Is that, that how he died? <laughs> did he die? Yeah, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> well, you have to question it, Dick. I mean, he was around forever. 
Um, so they drop it right at the stroke of midnight. And uh, millions of people around the world watch the event, which has taken place almost every year since 1907. Over time, the ball itself has ballooned from a 700-pound iron and wood orb, orb to a brightly patterned sphere 12 feet in diameter. It is not 12 feet in diameter, but okay. And they're saying it weighs in at nearly 12,000 pounds. What? I Well, no wonder I'm Descartes having, died. I'm having trouble believing this because I've seen the technicians working on the ball. They, they showed the pre-New Year's Eve stuff. It ain't that big. Well, back to Wikipedia. Yeah. To yeah. Various towns and cities across America have developed their own versions of the Times Square ritual, organizing public drops of items ranging from pickles in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, to possums in Tallapalooza, Georgia. Possums? Possums. Tallapalooza, Georgia. Drop, Sorry, I said they, that wrong. Wait a minute. They, they drop, drop possums, possums, apparently, at midnight on New Year's Eve. And if, <laughs> if you guys also didn't know, uh, Pat Robertson sucks the life of a child <laughs> on New Year's Eve, which allows him to live one more year. Wow. <laughs> okay, and that, that concludes uh, what this article has given us about New Year's Eve. Well, thank New you Year's so Day. much, Scott. I'm still, I, I'm still caught with... Possums dropping from what the heck are they dropping? Oh, that's gruesome. Of course, dropping possums. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I mean, yeah, it's, that's uh, gruesome. <laughs> kind of like a pig toss, or a, you know. Oh, no, when it comes I, to gruesome like and black, weird stuff, people I like black-eyed peas and greens with a little that's... little ham shanks and, and, and to make the beans. Used to do See, that, that for that years. That sounds delicious. Yeah, used to that be actually ritual sounds delicious. On New Year's Day, oh. black-eyed peas. Love black-eyed peas. The really? stuff we do for New Year's. Yeah. Well, hopefully but we have. Very good 2018. It can't be that much part in 2017. Well, I mean, we, have, sure. we have the Comedy Network, otherwise known as CNN, who follows Trump. <laughs> and, or, or Fox. I mean, depending on which version of comedy you want, you can follow Fox, too. And so, uh, we have um, Canadian politics, always apologizing. Yeah, yeah. We have... What else have we got going on? Well, we're, we're in for a good year of science. Absolutely. I think, I think we are, because... Uh, so much has happened and they're moving forward with more and never stopping and that's what I love about our I'm looking for a good year of either impeachment or indictment one of the, <laughs> one of the I words please either way it's a, whole, a year uh, we hope our audience is going to spend with us and yes. on these oh, words God. thank you so much for joining us today uh, we, you can always follow us at leftatvalley.com you can follow us on Facebook on Twitter at LETV Podcast send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com if you find us wherever you're listening to us give us a five star review it helps others find the show and you can always follow our little sister show so you think you're a skeptic by our friend Tyler on Facebook coming up next week we'll be talking to our old friend Damien Gillis mm. very good he's going to be talking about the wild salmon situation that should yeah. be interesting yeah. Damien's always have some very very strong opinions and the weekend after that we have Michael Shermer It'll be coming, yeah. our old friend Michael Shermer is coming back wait. to talk to us about the release of his new book that's coming out on the 9th. So that's going to be a lot week. of fun. Yes. Looking forward to that. And on the 27th, we'll be talking to our old friend again. We have a lot of friends, don't we? We have a lot of friends. I keep saying old friend. Uh, Phil Ferguson. Okay. Of the aptly named The Phil Ferguson Show, who crochets hats, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to the last week's episode for that. <laughs> Phil Ferguson, he's going to be talking to us about Bitcoin. Oh. Yes. It's good. I, I know absolutely nothing. I keep seeing them and hearing about them, but I've not really looked into them. So I'm sure there are other people like me that are looking forward to learning yeah. a lot more. So we should what's, learn a bit more about the, the, deal the about cryptocurrency yeah. that is Bitcoin. And in February, we also have our friend David Fitzgerald that's coming back to talk to us about his latest book as well. 
All right, we're starting the year with a bang. Good stuff, guys. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, as always, as usual. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. See you next week. Until next time. Let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful The thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an 